Hello, friends. And welcome to The Magic of Mamahood. We are your hosts, Stephanie and Caitlin. In this podcast, we talk about all things mom. We are on a mission to empower moms one episode at a time with holistic and real approaches to fitness, pregnancy, postpartum, and parenting. Join us as we craft the pages to the manual of mamahood together. An awesome guest tonight. Her name is Dr. Beth Knighton, and she is super smart, super hilarious and super talented so I met Beth it's kind of a weird way that we met honestly um we we both worked for a nonprofit, but not at the same time (laughs) so Beth met her then husband the year before I came on staff and then I worked with her husband and her sister-in-law the year after and so she came and hung out with us And I've loved her ever since. She's super, like I said, super smart, like unbelievably intelligent. But she also is very well-rounded. She has a DIY um, account. I'm like, what is the word for that? We'll have to cut that out. (laughs) She has a (laughs) DIY account where she does all sorts of projects. She's a mom. And we are so happy to have you on tonight, Beth. Thank you so much. I have had such a blast listening into the podcast, and I'm just honored to be on it now. So this is great. Oh, we're so excited. I'm I'm so excited to learn all about um like pediatric kid eye things because I honestly have no idea like anything about it. Well, so you are excited. not alone. That is how so many parents come in is with tons of questions. So I'm super pumped to be able to share some of this. Yes, it's <laughs> cracking up to y'all because I just went through that whole introduction without saying what that <laughs> actually does. <laughs> so she is a pediatric optometrist <laughs> and has been helpful for me as my oldest um, had amblyopia and astigmatism. And so she's been in glasses since 15 months. Wow. And everyone thinks because my daughter has been in glasses, I know things about eyes. I do not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just know about her eyes. So I am super excited to hear the answers to some of our most common questions. Yes, me too. So we're first going to start off with our weekly wins. Um, so let's start with Beth. Do you want to go first? Yes. So the things we do for our kids, right? Like we do the craziest things. My son just turned four this weekend and he asked for a ring-tailed lemur birthday party. (laughs) That's so random. Right? And so I'm like, there's no ring-tailed lemur aisle at the party store. You know, you're like, this has to be all the creative juices flowing. And yeah. somehow we pulled it off. He had a lemur costume. Oh my God. I made, oh my I made like lemur tail ring toss with black pool noodles and white duct tape to make wow. them look like the oh tails. We made a cake that looked like a lemur. I mean, I don't know how it happened, but it was definitely my win for the whole month, really. That's, <laughs> so, that's, that's what amazing. I'm talking about with this creativity. <laughs> don't you do the messy games every year, Beth? Every year, a whole Tell day where the kids... Because I love that. 
we invite the kids' friends over and we just do the messiest things we can think of in the backyard. We have like eight or 10 stations set up. There's a shaving cream table. There's donuts on a string and they have to try to eat oh it without God. their hands. There's um, a kiddie pool filled with mud that they can like run their trucks through um, using spray uh, guns like uh, squirt guns to spray paint onto a big oh canvas. I mean, so just okay. That's so fun. all the I want things. To go to your house. <laughs> yes, right? yes. Y'all are invited next year. That is oh so my goodness, fun. We will be there. That's so fun. Wait, wait, when was your your son's birthday? My daughter's birthday was this weekend too. Twenty eight. <laughs> oh, mine's the twenty ninth. That's so fun. Yeah, yep. I love it. Yes. Okay, Caitlin, do you want to do your one? Oh, okay. Yes. I'm like, oh, I didn't think of one. Okay, so my win, I have um, been run coaching for a few years now, and I've decided to add in some different things into the program. Mm -hmm. And so I've worked really hard on getting some strength and nutrition and whatever and, and revamped the entire training program that I've done. So I'm excited because we start next week, and I can't wait for the moms to do all of the new things. That's going to be amazing. Your your run clubs are so much fun. I can't wait. What about you, Steph? Um, okay, so my win this week. Okay, I was going to say that I woke up late, like I slept in, but that's so boring. So my win this week is that, so I teach, hold on, one second, my dog is like trying to bark. <laughs> okay, there we go. All right, so my win. I teach um, like stroller fitness classes, or I guess just fitness classes for moms. And I got two new members this week. So that, that was my win this week. It's like yeah. more of a, yeah. more of a professional win. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> it's a um, win for that mom too, because oh, your yeah. classes are amazing. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All um, right. Yeah. So you want to get started with questions? Yeah. We got a lot of great questions. Some that Steph and I were like, what is that word? So we're excited <laughs> to get started and learn what these things are. So first question, most commonly asked question is when should a child first see an eye doctor? This is an excellent question. So the first visit should be between six and 12 months. And I know it's shocking, but <laughs> just like the pediatrician is watching for those uh, milestones in gross motor movement and language and emotions. There's also visual milestones that we want to be hitting along the way too. So that first visit is kind of checking those milestones, um, seeing where the visual skills are at. And there's actually a nationwide program. It's called Infant C, Infant S-E-E. -E, and they provide no cost exams for infants age six to 12 months. And they're all over the nation. So just oh, go to the cool. website, infantc.org, type in your uh, zip code, and it'll pop up all the doctors in the area that are providers for that program. And that way, then you can just make sure that your little one is like on the right track and that um, we're not missing anything. That is oh, so amazing. I, I did that. not know We're gonna that. Link that. Yeah, yeah and I, sure. I honestly didn't even know that you had to bring them that young. I haven't even brought my kids. My I have a four-year-old, two-year-old, and a nine-month-old. I haven't brought them at all. So need to get on that. <laughs> it's <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is okay. Do no mom guilt allowed. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because I get asked a lot with Callie. Did I notice anything with her eyes? And I didn't, I didn't notice anything at all. And they did like the light test and that's mm -hmm. how they found 
the astigmatism and thankfully we caught it early, but sometimes you, something could be going on and you don't know. So yeah, for sure. Um, a follow-up question to that is if you have a history of eye issues, should your child go sooner to an eye doctor? I mean, six months is early, but yeah, sure. Yeah. So after that, like initial infant exam, then like the next exam will be at three years old and then five years old every year while they're in school. So, um, the first few exams are just, like I said, making sure they're meeting those developmental milestones on track, that the eyes are balanced, um, and they would be able to detect if there was astigmatism or an uneven prescription between the two eyes that was affecting development. So, um, the, if you or your spouse, uh, have, visual issues, there is a genetic component to that. And uh, Mm -hmm. so it's very possible that your child may have these issues as well. And we are finding too, that kids are becoming more nearsighted at an earlier age in this generation. So it's Um, even more important to kind of check in early uh, to see where they're at. The other thing is that um, a lot of parents, you know, are surprised when I tell them, you know, six months, three years, five years, and every year after, because they say, well, our pediatrician check their eyes. And that's Mm. totally true. The pediatrician is, is checking the health of the eyes. The pediatrician is doing the eye chart on the wall, um, where, you know, sometimes they have a symbols chart for the younger ones. Sometimes it's letters, which can be kind of tricky for the toddlers and, um, like preschoolers, but those, eye charts test, can you see things across the room in detail, which is really important, but that's only Mm. one out of 17 visual skills that we need to be successful with school and sports and everything throughout our day. So some kids get caught that they have problems, you know, on that where they can't see those details across the room. But at the same time, there's a lot of other skills that could be deficient but not caught on that pediatrician screening. So that's where the kind of full eye exam comes in. So you don't really need, like when you go to the pediatrician and they, I know the one year checkup, they check, they do like that whole, um, like they make the room dark and they look, I guess they look at the eye thing. Um, so that, yeah. that isn't, cause I always thought that when you take them to a pediatrician, if they find something wrong, then you go to like the opt- ophthalmologist, right? Correct. Um, so like, so you're saying that you can bring them before just to like, make sure that all their eye health is is good, right? Correct. Okay. And the box that you're talking about where they look into the box, yes. that takes like an estimate of their prescription. Okay. But if the kid mm-hmm. is not looking exactly at the box, or uh-huh. they're yeah. focusing too hard, or kind of zoning out, like it can read like they passed or failed when they failed or passed. Right? So, yeah, so yeah. those are really great. They catch a ton of kids. Our, our pediatricians in our area have those machines and we get tons of referrals from that. It's really important. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not a complete eye exam. Got it. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. And we'll post the chart that you sent to or the graphic where it said kids can have eye problems and still see this or like still see this and how they see it. That was really, really cool. Yes. It's an eye opening kind of picture for a lot of parents. Yeah. yeah that's so crazy. Yeah. We do need to post that. I feel like we should post that on Instagram so they can actually see it. Cause it, that was really cool. Uh huh. <clears throat> okay. Um, so the next question is what is the difference between eye pain and headaches? 
So this is another great question. You guys have awesome questions. I love this. Um, so we can have headaches for a hundred different reasons. And some of those are visual and a lot of them are not related to our eyes. So eye, eye pain is usually like in and around the eyes or located right in the forehead, right in the front. And usually if it's a visual issue, it's going to be pain that happens in those areas that kind of gets worse as we are reading or using a computer or kind of doing a detailed visual task. Um, again, headaches, like I said, can be from a hundred reasons, some as simple as I just need a drink of water and some as serious as, uh, you know, a very uh, complicated health issue. So we want to make sure that we're working with the pediatrician and the eye doctor to rule out any other problems. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah. in say you take your kiddo to the eye doctor and they need to have their eyes dilated. Can they use OptoMaps or is dilation still preferred? Yeah, great question. Um, so the OptoMap for people who haven't heard of that, it's like a wide field digital picture. So uh, uh, if you take your camera and you take a picture on wide angle, you know how you can kind of get a, a bigger view than what your mm -hmm. standard picture looks like. So that's what the OptiMap does, takes a picture of the inside of the eye and it doesn't require any dilation eye drops, which mm -hmm. is great. Mm -hmm. But yeah. um, at the same time, it only allows us to see about 82% of the inside of the eye. So it's not a true substitution for the dilation, um, but it certainly gives gives us like a lot of information, right? So it's valuable, but it's not necessarily a substitution. Um, oh. I live in Florida and in the state of Florida, dilation is required by law on their initial eye exam um, for adults and children. And that is part of the legislature because it's dilation is the most thorough look at the health of the eyes. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. So another thing about the dilation is that not only does it give us the most thorough look, but also when the doctor looks in with a dilation, they get a 3D view of the inside of the eye versus the OptiMap, which is a 2D picture. So you get um, more information that way too. And for kiddos, especially the dilation does the dilation and it relaxes the eyes. And that's why you notice things are kind of blurry afterwards. It's because your eyes are relaxed. And for farsighted kids or kids that have crossed eyes, we actually use those dilation drops to relax their eyes so that we can get a measurement of their true prescription. Mm -hmm. So for some kiddos, it kind of serves that dual purpose of checking the health, but also relaxing the eyes. And that helps us to get better measurements for them if, if they need glasses or if yeah. they need, you know, other kind of treatment. Yeah. And also those pictures, uh, the OptiMap pictures or retinal images in general are saved. And that way then two years, three years, six years down the road, the doctor can look back at those pictures to see if there's any subtle changes happening. So like both mm -hmm. the dilation and the pictures have value, just they're looking at the same thing in a different way. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so really interesting. Cool. That's really cool. <laughs> um, okay, so what are the most common eye issues for kids? Yeah, definitely the most common eye issues that we see are um, myopia, which is nearsightedness, 
we see farsightedness and astigmatism. And these are all reasons why people might need glasses. So it mm -hmm. has to do with the shape of the eye. And if you have nearsighted parents, your genetic factors tell you you're probably going to be nearsighted. Okay. Uh, and so that is genetic, genetically related, but we've also found in the research that nearsightedness is growing and we think that it has links to all of the near work that kids are doing. So spending more time indoors on tablets versus outdoors running around on the playground. So that outside time really is key for helping slow down the increase of nearsightedness and um, taking breaks from the up close things to kind of relax the eyes. We also see like eye tracking problems, eye focusing problems. Um, as Caitlin mentioned before, amblyopia, which is like a lazy eye or strabismus, which is an eye turn. Um, those are less common, but something that we definitely are, are looking for in these kiddos when we see them to make sure that they're on track developmentally. Okay. Wow. And what? Are, oh, sorry. Okay. Steph. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what are some signs that something may be going on with our kiddos' eyes? Yeah, you know, it's funny because kids, if they don't see things the way they should, they just think that everyone sees like that. Like, yeah. doesn't mm -hmm. everyone get double vision after they're reading for five or 10 minutes? Like, no, nobody else does that, but <laughs> they don't know any better. You know, that doesn't right. register to them. Um, so we kind of rely on observant parents and teachers and occupational therapists and pediatricians and all these great people that are in their life to kind of notice some of these maybe more subtle things yeah. that are going on that they they might notice okay maybe my kid has a problem so you know squinting the eyes or holding things really close to their face those are really common that I hear a lot of like I saw this and that made me want to get my kids eyes checked but also if they're rubbing their eyes often if they're complaining of headaches or um, if they lose their place a lot when they're reading or skip over little words when they're reading, that could be a sign that they have tracking issues. If they're uh, tilting their head to the side or closing one eye when they're reading, that could be a sign that their two eyes aren't working together as a team. If they just avoid near work in general, maybe they're having a hard time focusing on the words. Uh, so we kind of look at all of those things and and from some of perspectives, it may look like, well, that that's just part of their attention problem, or that's just part of their allergies, or that's part of, you, know, you name it, there's like 50 different reasons why they could also be doing some of these things. But yeah. also, if their vision isn't right, it makes it so tough to do just our regular everyday tasks. Yeah. Mm. I have a question. This, this wasn't on there, but does um like color blindness does that have to do with um eyes or is that like a whole different other thing right so if someone has a color vision problem um, it has to do with the retina inside the eye the retina is like the wallpaper inside the eye and it has these sensors and the there's three different color sensors so if all three color sensors are working then you can see all the colors and 
the millions of shades of green that our eyes can see. You can detect the little subtle differences between them. But if one or more of those sensors does not work, now we see certain colors really well and other colors kind of blend together and it's hard to distinguish them. Uh, this affects more with like pastel colors or muted tones. Mm -hmm. the, the primary colors that you think of when you think of like a kindergarten classroom, yeah. those, mm -hmm. those colors are pretty easy for people to distinguish even if they have a mild color vision deficiency. So for many kids, like it doesn't kind of show up as an issue until kind of later on. Okay. Um, but one mm -hmm. thing that can be really helpful if your child does have a color vision deficiency is to not just color code something, but also put a label on it. So if the red folder is for math, write the word math mm -hmm. on that red folder, because when they mm -hmm. look in their backpack, the red folder and the green folder might look the same yeah. to them. Yeah. They would have to like open it up to, oh, nope, that's my writing folder. I got to get the red one. Okay. That must be this one. Yep. This is math. So okay. um, that's a one kind of easy way to help if you think your kid might have that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I also love that you said the red folder is math because I feel like my math folder was always red. <laughs> Isn't it funny we do that? So yes. um, I have a follow-up question to that too. As far as eye color goes, does that play into color blindness at all? Or Those two things are really unrelated. So the okay color detection has to do with the inside of the eyes. The color of the front of the eye has to do with the pigment that we inherit from our parents. So um, mm. darker eyes are more dominant. So um, if you have one or both parents with dark eyes, your kids are more likely to have dark eyes. Mm. Um, and really, it, eye color isn't just one gene that determines it. It's multiple genes. So that's why, um, you know, you may say like, oh, we both have brown eyes and grandpa had blue eyes and now my kid has blue eyes. Like it, it has so many factors to it. So yeah. it, it's not um, direct always like, oh, I have the same color as my parents. And also eye color is variable. Like if we look at a front of the eye, the iris is what it's called, the colored part mm -hmm. under a microscope it actually has lots of different colors. So a blue eye has dark blue and light blue and gray and a little bit of brown. And so that's why on a bright sunny day, your eyes might look a different color than on mm -hmm. a dark day when you're wearing a black shirt. You know, mm -hmm. just depends on oh, what's around you that so cool. kind of reflects off of the front. So yeah. Yeah. That is, so that is cool. interesting because mine look green or gray depending mm -hmm. on stuff like that. Totally. Okay. So that question kind of leads into this photophobia question because I've always heard that light sensitivity is more prevalent in lighter eyes. Is that true? And if not, what are the reasons or causes of photophobia? Yes. So photophobia is like light sensitivity. So, um, you know, some people, they walk outside in the bright sunlight and have no problem going to their car, going to their mailbox, doesn't bother them at all. And then other people cannot step outside without their super dark sunshades on uh, <laughs> to, to, to be able to navigate that. And the, the pigment, the coloration of our eyes, similar to the pigment or the coloration of the front of the eye, there's a layer on the inside of the eye that has that same pigment. So a lot of people with lighter outsides or iris on the front of the eye, 
have lighter pigment on the inside of the eye. Now the pigment helps to kind of absorb the light. So when light comes into the eye of a person who has a lot of pigment, the pigment absorbs it real fast and it doesn't really bother them. When mm. you have light pigment on the inside of the eye, now that when the light comes in, it has to kind of bounce around before it absorbs. And that extra bouncing around is what causes us to be more sensitive to the light. Wow. Oh my gosh. This is so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Right, a lot. Yes, it, the eyes are so fascinating. Yeah, they really, it's really are. Cool. The wallpaper inside your eye—I never would have thought of it like that. It's so cool. Yeah, that is really cool. So, okay, here's another question: um, How is reading and learning related to vision? Great question. We get this a lot um, from parents because they're trying to figure out the connection. Right, my kid has trouble learning. My kid has trouble reading. Is it their eyes? Is it their brain? Is it their attention? Is it that they just don't like reading? You know, what's going on with them? So the first step of reading is getting that information from the page to our eyes, then from our eyes to our brain. And then the brain has to make sense of that information. It has to be thinking, how do those letters link together to make words and words to make sentences? And can I follow the story along? And um, how how do I answer questions about what I've just read if I can't see it? Uh, mm -hmm. So we're, we're having a lot of intake with the vision mm -hmm. and then processing with the brain. So if the first step is scrambled, it makes it a lot harder to make sense of that information. So if your tracking is off and you're not following the words across the page accurately, you might read the words on the page and it says, mm -hmm. the cat outside went house. Mm -hmm. Well, what? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense. Hold on. Let me start again. Okay. The house outside cat went. Well, I don't know what that means, but mm -hmm. we're reading a story about a cat going on an adventure. So I guess he left. I got to keep up with the rest of my class. I don't have time to read this for a third time. I'm just going to use my context clues and move on. Yeah. And so kids yeah. who have like a really, um, you know, bright IQ or really quick, they can kind of translate that scrambled information as, yeah. and, and try to keep up with everybody. Um, and then, you know, eventually it catches up to them where they, they can't do that as fast anymore. But um, when the, that tracking is off and we're skipping words, we're scrambling the words, it's just you're having to focus on each word individually and the story gets chopped into pieces. Yeah. If, if you read the story like that, by the end, you would say, I have no idea what I just read. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I was trying so hard to make sense of each letter, each word, each part of what I looked at that I didn't have time to be imagining what the story looks like and having that kind of picture in our head of the cat going off on an adventure. And so when the intake is off, it just makes the whole rest of the process more complicated. Yeah. And it's not to say that kids only have a vision issue or only have a processing issue. There can be both things going on at the same time, which is why it's so important to have this kind of whole team around your kid to, to help support them and, and get them on the right track with, you know, a reading specialist or a, a child psychologist to do extra testing or optometrist, a pediatrician, I mean, you know, you name it, we need kind of everybody on the same page. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's such good information. Yeah. Especially I just love how you broke that down for us and as how they would read it because it makes it seem so tangible that way. Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. 
So are blue light blockers something that we should invest in for our kids? So the short answer is yes and no. <laughs> the, <laughs> there's a few different things that the blue light blocking glasses claim, right? So, so we've seen all the, you know, ads in our social media feed and, mm -hmm. and whatnot of like, that you need them, right? So the first thing that it claims is that it reduces the strain on the eyes. And that's totally true. It's cutting back on some of the light coming off of the screens towards your eyes. It blocks that out. And now it's reducing the glare to our eyes. So it totally reduces the strain. That's true. The um, anti-reflective coating on glasses also reduces the glare, cuts back on the light. So if your child already wears glasses and has the anti-reflective coating, um, that is doing the same thing of cutting back the glare. Okay. In um, another thing that the blue light blocking glasses claim is that it helps with our sleep-wake cycle. And that is also totally true. So the blue light from the screens, it blocks a hormone called melatonin. And melatonin releases in our brain and it helps us feel sleepy and that helps us to go to sleep. So if we are up on our laptops and, and you know, going through our emails, paying our bills, and then we want to just close the laptop and fall asleep, it's really tough because the brain has been thinking, oh, it's a, it's time to be alert. It's time to be awake. Let's go. And so we need some kind of transition time between the screens and bed, um, which there's tons of research out there about how that's affecting our sleep-wake. Um, and so the blue light blocking glasses for like you know, kiddos who are late night gamers or, you know, using their tablet late into the day, that can really help them to regulate their sleep-wake cycle and ours too, really. <laughs> We're all guilty of the late night screens. Yeah. yeah. The Here's, Instagram I, scroll, you know, uh, just you like, got oh, it. man. <laughs> I, I ended up investing in some blue light blocker uh, glasses because I was getting really bad, like headaches from being on the computer. Mm -hmm. um, it really, they really helped me like a Absolutely. lot. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, awesome. And that's that reducing that strain on the eyes. It really um, limits what your eyes are taking in. So that's awesome. I'm glad you got that relief. Yeah, it really, it really, it honestly really helped. <laughs> um, all right. So the next question is, how do we keep our kids' eyes healthy? Are there any vitamins that they can take or what can we give them to, I guess, support their vision or their eyes? Yes. So the number one most important thing is to wear sunglasses outside that have UV protection. UV light can cause damage to the eyes, just like it can cause damage to the skin. And so by kind of getting into those good habits of wearing our sunglasses early on, it kind of sets them up for success later on. And um, the UV light over time can cause cataracts and macular degeneration and damage to the eyes. So we just, we want to keep them healthy, you know, for the next 90 years. So we, we, that the sunglasses are really key. Yeah. The next thing is eating lots of fruits and veggies, which y'all know so much about since you're uh, <laughs> fantastic fitness coaches. Um, but especially the carrots and the leafy green veggies, they've got great vitamins for the eyes to help keep them healthy. And for most kids and adults, they're getting enough um, through the fruits and veggies that they don't need an extra supplement. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the multivitamins have actually started adding in lutein, which is a key eye vitamin, because they've shown such great results uh, from 
having lutein and helping prevent some of these eye diseases later on. So that's really yeah. fantastic. Yes. That's awesome. That's Another thing that's really great for kids to get into the habit of is using what we call elbow distance. So if you put your fist on your chin mm -hmm. and kind of stick your elbow out in front of you, that where your elbow lands is where you should hold things for like reading or tablet or that's phone, really good <laughs> right? Yeah. And so um, by kind of keeping that elbow distance, it gives the eyes enough room to work comfortably. If we're closer than that elbow distance, the eyes are having to focus so hard that it just puts a lot of strain on the eyes and it can cause them to do funny things like yeah. start turning or start developing more mm -hmm. nearsightedness or, um, you know, just causing headaches and eye strain in general. So that elbow distance is super easy um, rule of thumb to use and um, once your kids hear it enough times like mine, you just say like elbow distance and immediately they're like, oops, my iPad's too close <laughs> and they back <laughs> it up right away. So <laughs> that is um, an easy way to help. And then the last thing um, that's really great for all of us kids and adults alike is to use the 20-20-20 rule. So for every 20 minutes of doing something up close, like reading or tablet, spend 20 seconds looking at something that's 20 feet away. Looking far off helps okay. kind of relax the eyes so they're not in that stressed, focused position and um, kind of gives us that flexibility with our eyes. Yes, that's a really good, I'm going to start using that because I feel like whenever I'm like on my computer for too long, it like, I like look up and I'm like, like it, like, I just get like a, like, you know, like everything feels like tight in my eye. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We are That's all great. guilty. All yes. guilty. <laughs> I know I was over here with my thumb and my elbow trying to measure my laptop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, get that elbow distance. Love it. <laughs> well, I feel like you've given us such good information, Beth, and I really appreciate you taking your time with us tonight. But our last thing is we want to know what three takeaways you would give to a parent about eye health, their kids' eye health. So, you know, number one for me has got to be, you know, encouraging the sunglasses because it just, it not only gives us such great temporary relief from the sun, but also the long-term benefits are so fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, I would say just kind of be proactive about your kids health, just like you are with the pediatrician and just like you are with their schoolwork. Like, let's check the eyes every year to make sure that we're, you know, keeping up with the visual demands of the classroom as the font gets smaller. And as there's more on a page and the worksheets are busier, we want to make sure that their visual skills can help them be successful, whether it's, mm. you know, school or sports or otherwise. Um, and then I would also say that, you know, when it comes to eyes and the vision, you know, it's amazing, really, that we use our eyes for almost everything that we do throughout the day. And so if any part of that system is off, if the eyes can't focus, if they can't track, if they're not working together, it can really throw off so much. And I've had kids who were um, you know, not great readers and they were about to be held back in school and they came in, we got them the right glasses, with special kind of lenses, and they did some what's called vision therapy, which is activities and exercises to kind of build their visual skills. And by the end of their vision therapy, which was just a few months, um, they told me, I just finished reading the first Harry Potter book. I can't wait to start the next one. And I just almost fell over, you know, just this 
kid who was such a poor reader and and about to be held back to to take on a Harry Potter book like that's intimidating. Yes. Yes. So, oh you know, gosh. you just don't the the vision has such an impact in so many ways and so I just love being able to help these kiddos because it has such a lifelong impact. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an important job and I know just knowing you you're educating parents as well as the kids and mm-hmm. so that's a just a great cycle to be in. So we appreciate you so much. I'm so glad I got to hear your voice again. I miss you. (laughs) I miss you too. (laughs) I am so proud of you girls for putting this podcast together and sharing all these different um, areas with all these moms. It is just fantastic. The work that y'all are doing. So keep it up. Thank you. I learned have a great night. Super momming over there with the dogs (laughs) and the kids. Thank you. Thank you. Bye Steph. Bye Bye. Caitlin. Bye. Have a great night. Thank you so much for listening and spending time with us today. All resources and information can be found under our show notes and on our Instagram page at magicofmamahood underscore podcast. Let us know what topics you would like to listen to next and how we can meet you during your personal season of mamahood. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, or share with a friend. This will help us with our mission to empower mamas and women from all over. Talk to you soon.